Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. What's going on, amazing ladies? Episode four is all about rebuilding, repairing, and regaining your power after divorce or separation. Now, I speak as someone who has been two different ends of the spectrum. One end, I was that man that I would tell you to avoid like the plague. I was manipulative. I lied. I cheated. I was unintegral. I had no love for self, and therefore, I could not truly love another. I was at war with myself, and I feared that I was unlovable, and therefore, that led to me demonstrating behaviors such as infidelity and lying and cheating. You know, that is, there's a lot, there's a lot of layers here, but I've been that man. And I've also been the person who took ownership of all the things and behaviors I was demonstrating, looked that man in the mirror, pointed the finger at myself and decided to, to change. So I'm here to give you perspective as those two men, now an empower of women, ironically, after being a disempower of those women who I was in a relationship with, I speak to you now as a man who has done the work and will always do the work because it's a lifelong journey um, to give you a few things. Number one, just some tools, some tools that you can implement to start seeing different uh, results and reality in your life to give you hope that if you are with someone who's demonstrating these behaviors and they say they want to change and they and they and you believe they can that, that it is possible it is possible i don't believe the phrase once a cheater always a cheater if that were true behavior modification wouldn't be a thing neuroplasticity is very real behavior modification is real the only the the, the biggest challenge is it takes doing the work it takes a willingness to accept ownership and it takes consistent action with that over time that's the catalyst. You can't just say you want to change. You have to actually do the things. And it's very uncomfortable work. It's very painful work. And not many people are willing to do it. Fortunately, I was and I am. And I'll continue to do so. Work in progress always. The other thing I want to give you is just some, some inspiration, some motivation, and some, and some gratitude that this isn't your story. You can rewrite your story every day. Your story is written in pencil and you can rewrite it and you can create a new reality for yourself, for your children. You don't have to repeat the pattern from your past. You don't have to repeat the pattern that your parents exhibited. You can be a cycle breaker, right? And that's super cool to know. So just know that that's possible. One disclaimer I want to make, I'm not a therapist. I've been through a hell of a lot of therapy, but I am not a therapist. So number one, let's go, let's just dive right into it. Step one, regaining your power, get a therapist. Get somebody who can help, get a third party who can dissect, well, not dissect, but who can help give you tools and perspective that you can't see. We don't know what we don't know. We're caught up in so much conditioned behavior that we don't even realize we're doing things and that those things are are creating cycles and patterns and repetitive behavior that's leading to the same outcome over and over. So therapists are really good at helping you identify those behaviors and patterns and give you tools to start making changes because you can't change without awareness, right? Now, a lot of you may be thinking, well, I come from a a relationship where I was abused and, and cheated on and lied to and manipulated. 
I don't need help. He needs help. Well, you're right. He does need a lot of help. But you have to work on you because this is a hard truth. Get ready. Get ready to swallow this hard pill. You're the common denominator in all the relationships that didn't work out. So you have to become the person you want to attract. And we all have energy that we put off and we typically attract people at the same level of healing that we're at. So the more you heal, the more you become self-aware and cultivate love for self, the more likely you are to attract higher caliber people that will not repeat the same patterns of behavior that you're used to. It's a, it's a mirror. The quicker you look at life as a mirror. So let's just dive into step two. Step one, get a therapist. It's performance enhancement, y'all. Just, just it, it is what it is. It's performance enhancement. It's going to help you so much on your healing journey. Number two, ownership. Now, this is hard. Ownership is hard. And I work in, obviously, the, the body transformation industry. And ownership is one of the hardest things that to coach. Because we'll have a lot of clients who are looking for validation of beliefs. Like, well, it's my genetics. It's my hormones. It's carbs. It's sugar. And then when we start tracking food, it starts to sink in. Oh my God, I have a lot of mindless eating going on. I'm eating a lot of processed foods that's making me eat in a caloric surplus. I really am the problem. Hey, good news. You're also the solution. Ownership is so hard and so painful and simultaneously so freeing because now you're giving yourself a choice in your outcome. So taking ownership of what of the role that you played in those relationships. Again, I get it. If someone hurt you, if someone lied to you, if someone cheated, if someone abused, you are valid in knowing that they are the main reason the relationship didn't work and a lot of cause of all the hurt. But again, if you can take ownership for the role that you played, the red flags that you ignored, the willingness to be treated in a certain way over and over, the lack of boundaries that you set, the things you let go that you shouldn't have, the, the ways that you self-abandoned in order to please, right? These are all super hard truths, ladies. But when you start to look at that and examine that, you will give yourself the choice in your outcome, finally, right? And it almost always goes back to who we were as kids, right? Again, I'm not going to get too much, too far into the weeds on the inner child stuff because, again, that's a job for a therapist. But I'm going to give you tools from my perspective that really help. So ownership. I had to, as the betrayer, as the person who was exhibiting a lot of unhealthy, toxic behavior, I had to take intense ownership of all of it. No more lying. No more running from myself because that's all it is. I was just running from myself. I didn't want to face myself because I didn't like who I was. How many of you love who you are? You, right now, you could look in the mirror, look yourself in the eye and say, I love you, right? If that's hard, I feel you. It's hard for me too sometimes. It's a lot easier than it used to be now that I'm an integral person and I've closed the integrity gaps in my life. We'll get more to integrity gaps later, but cultivating self-love, so important. So ownership is a form of self-love because you're saying every circumstance in my life is a mirror of my internal beliefs and I, I own it. I own it. I own responsibility for the circumstances in my life. And if I'm not happy with my body, if I'm not happy with my relationship, if I'm not happy with my career, if I'm not happy with any part of my existence, it is my own inner beliefs and my actions and behavior that led to this outcome. And I own it. Taking ownership, big, big deal. Next step, 
What are you doing every day to cultivate self-love? Self-love, huge part. I know that you hear the term self-love regurgitated over and over again on social media. And it's hard to know what exactly that is and how to cultivate self-love. So coming from someone, (laughs) me, that used to hate myself, right? They say if you're uh, lonely when you're alone, you're in bad company, right? That was me. I couldn't stand to be alone with myself because I didn't like who I was. Couldn't spend time with myself because why would you want to spend time with somebody you don't like, right? So a lot of my journey was it was inch by inch cultivating a little more self-love for myself every day. Now, there's different ways you can do this. People will suggest affirmations. I think that's a good way to do it. It's just repetitive neuro connections that you're making, right? You're just making new neurons fire with those positive affirmations. And you're not going to believe them at first, likely. I didn't. First time I looked in the mirror and I was like, hey, man, I love you. I was like, you're full of shit. You don't love you, right? But I kept saying it. I kept saying it. I kept saying it. And then other things in my life that I wanted to manifest with my business, with my the relationship with my uh, with with Denver's mother Sophie, the things that I wanted to accomplish in my life, I kept I just kept saying them as if they were already true, right? And that's another thing you want to act as if. And a lot of you will recognize this, like from the Secret and stuff like that. It's not rocket science. You just you're just repetitively doing things that create more subconscious thoughts and actions that lead to different outcomes. But repetitively saying things that I wanted in my life that I didn't actually have yet, right? So self-love is about, well, it's, it's obviously with the affirmations that will help. Another thing you can do is journal. Journaling is, is great because it, it, you, you have to be honest with yourself, right? And it's a way to stop bullshitting yourself. You know, um, I used to bullshit myself all the time. And uh, if, if you journal and you can get it out on paper, you're now, you know, seeing, writing, affirming. And, and in, instead of thinking it in, you're, you're, you're thinking out loud on paper. And, and it's great to reflect back on. A very cathartic practice. So you could just simply start with, today I feel, that's how I would start. Because I didn't know how the hell to journal. I didn't know how. But I would start with that. Today I feel, and I would just go from there. And the entry has got longer and longer and longer. I was able to identify feelings and, and just kind of, you know, it's free therapy. It's free therapy. It's not as good as therapy, not as effective, but it's, it's, it's a great tool to, in, in conjunction with therapy, right? So when you think about all the thoughts you have, the conditioned thoughts that you automatically have, right? Like when you think about your body right now, what do you think? Do you think things like, ugh, gross, disgusting, you cringe? Those are conditioned thoughts. Someone gave you those thoughts. They're not real. You're just thinking them. You're thinking them. And so when you're constantly thinking negative thoughts about your body, you're going to take actions out of self-loathing. So that's going to create a dynamic where you're like, I have to go to the gym today. I have to diet. I have to do this juice cleanse because I hate my midsection. And da, da, da. Actions taken out of self-loathing are never sustainable and they don't produce long-term results because who wants to do something out of obligation and self-loathing, right? You're basically your own slave master at that point. It doesn't, it's, it's not coming from a place of wanting to or desiring from, from love, from, from enjoyment. It's coming from a place of, of, I have to do this because I'm not good enough. It's insufficiency, right? Big part of my issue was insufficiency, by the way. I felt so insufficient. I was bullied as a child and I was made to feel lesser than for a very long time. And so a lot of my behaviors and thoughts to this day are centered around feeling sufficient. You know, sometimes I feel insufficient for my girlfriend. I feel insufficient for in my career. I feel insufficient with my body, I feel insufficient as a person. And, and I have to constantly work on feeling good enough. That's my biggest battle is feeling good enough. So 
Cultivating self-love is about cultivating a feeling of sufficiency. I am good enough. And we want to, we want to love someone. Here's, here's the biggest thing too with self-love. The, the affirmation that I love to say every day is I choose someone who chooses me exactly as I am, even if that means I'm alone from time to time. Mm, that goes against every codependent tendency we could possibly have, right? I choose someone who chooses me exactly as I am, even if it means I'm alone from time to time. So that affirmation affirms that number one, we don't want anybody that's going to want to change us, that, that we want someone who loves us exactly as we are and adds to our life as a value add. And it says that we're perfectly happy alone. Ooh, that's a hard one. That was so hard for me. That was so hard for me. I have not spent more than three to four months single in the past six to seven years. I've gone from relationship to relationship to relationship. And I never spent a lot of time alone. And so in my most recent relationships, a lot of the healing I've needed to do has been while I'm in the relationship. And I believe you can heal whilst being in a relationship. I believe you can cultivate being happy alone while you're in a relationship. It's just harder because you know sometimes you have to change certain dynamics in the relationship, especially if you drift towards codependency or trauma bonding. It's something that you have to work on that sometimes will will cause some distance or some some rifts in the relationship if that person isn't supportive and understanding or maybe going through, through some stuff themselves, right? So cultivating love for self means being happy alone. It means contentment with the way you are. Now, here's the thing that people confuse. This is the last part of self-love I want to hit on. People confuse contentment with complacency. People think that but if I'm happy as, with, with myself completely as I am, I won't do anything to get better. No, that's bullshit. That's a story you've just written and it's on replay. Contentment is not about stopping the work or stopping where you're at. Contentment is I am grateful and happy with every circumstance in my life as is. The cool part is you can say that and you can create an amazing life for yourself. And that was something I really had to work on I was caught up and still am caught up sometimes in the hedonic cycle. The hedonic cycle is once I have X, I will be happy. Well, what happens? We get X and we move the goalpost. We never actually achieve happiness from it. No external thing will make us happy. It won't. You have to cultivate happiness from the inside. Everything is cultivated internally, y'all. I had to realize that because I thought a certain amount of money, a certain partner, a certain status would bring me more fulfillment, wholeness, and happiness. And it never did. But once I realized that, once I realized that I am perfectly happy alone, if I don't make another cent, I am happy. All those things started finding me. Ironically, you just put out a different energy. So it's so hard for us to do, but cultivating contentment with how you are, how your body is at this moment. Now, this is a hard one for you ladies, right? I work with a lot of you, thousands. And one of the hardest concepts to accept and implement is in order for me to manifest the true, sustainable, impactful body results that I want to see in the mirror, I have to love my body exactly as it is now. It's this paradox, right? You're like, but if I love my body now, how will I work on it? Again, it goes back to taking actions out of self-loathing versus self-love, right? Look at this, this reframing. Instead of saying, I have to go work out, I have to track my food, I have to go on a walk, I have to do this. It's, 
oh man, I get to go to the gym. I'm going to the gym to work out because I love my body. I'm tracking my food because I want to nourish my body instead of deprive it. I'm eating these carbohydrates, these nutrients. I'm, I'm, I'm going on a walk because I love my body so much and I want to promote longevity. I want to be in, this, be in this life longer. That simple reframing will help you take these actions more consistently and establish firmer behavior patterns. Okay. So the thing that we, one of the things that just confuses a lot of our clients at first is, hey, I love that you want to get all these results, but you're going to have to love your body as it is. That will decrease friction between where you are and where you want to be because the more you are in scarcity and disliking where you're at and thinking that XYZ will make you happy, the more friction is created between where you are and where you want to be. So I know that's hard to understand and implement, but I'm telling you, that's the, that is a gift, ladies. It's a gift to be content with what you have. And it brings such peace. And then ironically, all the things that you desire will start finding you. And you just, you just have to practice it consistently. I still do it to this day. Every single day, I start with gratitude. Gratitude, such an amazing tool to implement. If you're grateful for what you have, the universe will see fit to reward you with more. If you're not grateful for what you have, why the hell would the universe, why the hell would the universe give you anything different? You're not grateful for what you have. Why would we give you more? That's how it works. You can chalk up the why and how it works to whatever the hell you want. I don't care. You can say it's the secret. You can say it's we all have a tangible, quantifiable energy that we put into the universe and the magnetic field and we attract what we put out. You could say that we just subconsciously do more shit that manifests stuff that we want when we think positively. Whatever you want to chalk it up to, go ahead. It works. <laughs> and that's all that matters, okay? And I'm walking, living, breathing proof of that. When I started at Maverick Online Coaching, I had $200 in my bank account, roughly. And uh, the business coach I hired costed like 400 <laughs> Cut me a deal. <laughs> Driving a Cadillac, a 99 Cadillac, mind you. No air conditioning. Broken trunk. The trunk was duct taped down because every time I hit a speed bump, the trunk lid would pop up. And it was so embarrassing. Had holes in my work pants. I was selling cars. I had I lived in a one bedroom, one bathroom apartment. Just blew a relationship up with my with old behavior, and my, all my clothes were in trash bags. And by slowly practicing exactly what I'm telling you now, I can I completely turned my life around. And I had to hit bottom again to completely completely turn my life around. But it was a start, right? It led to me finally taking ownership and doing this, that. All right. So that's self-love. When it comes to your body, right? So a lot of all that mindset stuff that I just said for you is infinitely more important than the physical because your body follows the mind. Okay. Just remember that. But tactical stuff, right? You're trying to get out of a rut. You're trying to get some progress with your body. I gave a beginner's guide to fat loss in another episode. So I'm just going to recap real quick. Increase your step count. This is so. This does so many things. Increase your step count now. Go on more walks. This will get you out in the sun. It will. Uh, it's proven that sun exposure can help with symptoms of anxiety and depression. So, getting out in the sun, walking, uh, the calcitiol that you convert from the UV lights. It's a powerful pro hormone in the body. Does so many things. Walking increases your non-exercise activity, which encompasses fifteen percent or more of your total calories burned for the day. So the higher your step count, the more calories you'll burn. You'll have a little more wiggle room in your calories. You'll be able to eat more and still get the same results. You'll burn more fat. Makes it a lot easier to burn fat when you're, when you're walking, ladies. Our active clients have such an easier time. If you have a sedentary job, then just get it in before work, after work, and get one of those little pedal bikes for under your desk or a portable treadmill or walk on your lunch break around work. Just get those steps in. It doesn't matter. And it's an average. Remember that. 
You don't have to walk 10,000 steps a day. You just have to average a high amount. And I just threw 10,000 out there. Just basically just more than you are is, is adequate. Okay. Get a weekly average. Look to increase your step count two to 300 steps per week on average. And look at, like you see, if you have a sedentary job, if you're a nurse, you know, on your off days, double up, triple up on your steps. On your days off work, walk a lot more and bring that average up. And you can, you can do it. Okay. Don't diet, ladies. Diets are so temporary. Diets are so superficial, temporary, and they, you don't learn anything. This is a lifelong endeavor. How do you expect to learn lifelong tools from a temporary diet? And what happens after the diet? What happens after the meal plan? Meal plans are bullshit too. You can find meal plans for free on Google. People ask me for meal plans all the time. I'm like, no, we don't do that. <laughs> they don't, that's not behavior modification. That's just a Band-Aid on a hemorrhage. Meal plans are, are for what? So you can drop 20 pounds eating some arbitrary diet. And then what, what, what happens after? What are you going to do the rest of your life? You're going to eat, eat from that PDF file for the rest of your life? What happens at the barbecue? What happens at the work event? What happens when you have kids that want to eat other shit? Meal plans are bullshit, y'all. Stupid. We do them. I've done them, but they're stupid. Don't do them. So don't diet. Don't do meal plans. And I mean any diet. For those of you that follow me, I have a firm stance on this. I'm anti-diet. Dieting culture needs to die. Dieting culture is, is keeping women in this perpetual cycle of yo-yo weight loss, feelings of failure, unhealthy metabolisms, especially if it's, it's, it's extreme diet like keto, the whole fasting thing, such a trend. I'm a data and evidence guy. I'm, I'm evidence-based, meaning if there's not a, a evidence that it actually produces a result in the body, I don't advocate for it. Fasting is one of those things. <laughs> People think fasting is magic. I'm going to give you some real truth here. Your weight on the scale is primarily, almost entirely influenced by your caloric intake. And all fasting does is make people eat less. The claims of increased growth hormone, autophagy, all that is produced in a regular caloric deficit. You don't have to eat half the day to get the same results. You can have a normal eating pattern, eat the same amount of calories, and get this exact same results. Fasting just makes people eat less. Now, Here's my biggest problem with fasting. I'm not going to get into a big spiel on fasting because this isn't about that. But you have to hit a protein goal, which is going to be in the next step with the body. Protein is nearly impossible to hit when you're eating half the day. It's, we're already chronically under-consuming protein as a populace, let alone if you cut your eating in half for the day. Like, come on, you're, you're going to struggle to hit that protein goal. It's already hard enough, let alone if you only eat half the day. And we're trying to build strong bodies, not super skinny, bony bodies. And I'm, I just say that because people think that weight loss is the end-all, be-all. Weight loss may be a part of your journey, but fat loss and muscle tissue development is actually what 99% of women want to manifest, whether you know it or not. The body that you desire or covet has muscle. And you shouldn't be comparing yourself to anybody, by the way. But all the bodies you see and you admire, there's nothing wrong with seeing a body and be like, oh, wow, she looks great. That's, that's fine. But that body likely has muscle tissue and it doesn't come from dieting. And, and that's another hard truth. All the people whose bodies you admire, they're not doing the extreme shit that you've done or are doing to get those bodies because you can't maintain a body like that with extreme shit. <laughs> Doesn't work. Not for long anyway. So don't diet, don't fat. And you probably wonder, well, then what do I do? How do I lose weight? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. So first was the step count. That's the first thing you can do right now. If you are honestly tracking your steps and you're averaging, you know, eight to 10,000 steps a day, averaging that consistently, you're not having a problem with weight loss. Doesn't happen. It's, it's really hard. Like you'd have to be eating a lot for that to not produce fat loss. So the next step is eat more protein. Um, protein is your friend. I'm not talking like, so protein from a supplement and protein or food, both are protein. Protein from food and protein from whey isolate, they're both protein. People have this idea that like whey protein is like some special 
God's nectar. It's just protein. It's a macronutrient. It helps you develop your muscle tissue, okay? So whether you get it from a shake or from food, it's, it's, it's still protein. You should probably try to get it from food, food as much as you can because of the micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals that you get from food versus from a shake, right? The shake is just protein. The food is protein and, you know, vitamins A, B, C, D, K, all those great things, right? Potassium, magnesium, calcium, all those things. So it's important that you get it from food as much as you can. And then if you have, if you're low for the day, then supplement a shake. Totally fine. The other thing that you could do for your body is lift weights. Lifting weights is the single most effective way to produce visual change and keep it in your body. It adds years to your life. It makes it produces the the tone, the firmness that you desire. Muscle is less or muscle is more dense than body fat, so it takes up less space at the same weight. So you get smaller. People think that if you lift weights, you're going to get bulky. Masculinity and bulkiness comes from anabolic androgenic hormones. So if a woman gets super masculine or her voice gets deeper, she sprouts a mustache and gets huge traps, there's steroids involved, ladies. You don't get that from just lifting weights. You just get sexier. It's just what happens, okay? All of our clients lift weights. So if you think they look manly, I don't know what to tell you, right? They all lift weights and they all strength train. So don't be afraid of the weights, all right? What does your morning routine look like? That's the next thing we want to talk about. Your morning routine. What do you do every day? And this is the last thing I'm going to touch on. I only have a couple more minutes left. So your morning routine profoundly affects your not only your morning, but the rest of your day and the rest of your week and the rest of your month, right? Now, I'm not saying you have to do the exact same thing every day. What I am saying is do an honest audit of the things that you do in the morning. I'm talking everything. And ask yourself, put it in a column. Left, it is helping me, you know, produce the outcome I want to achieve, right? It's not, right? So once you've done that, how many are on the left column? How many are in the right column? Now, if you look at your phone, the first thing in the morning when you open your eyes, that is not helping you cultivate the positive reality you want, all right? It's not. Our phones are a gateway to the negativity of the world. The world is so negative. You got the news, you got You got uh, your family bitching on Facebook. You got people arguing on social media. It is not made to make you happy. Positivity doesn't sell. Positivity doesn't doesn't outrage. They want to outrage you. Every news headline, I don't care what side you're on, it's all made to outrage because they want to divide. They want us pitted against each other, right? So don't look at that first thing because if you do and you get pissed off first thing, that's that's a wrap on the rest of the day. So care for yourself first. Serve yourself. It's I am mine before I am anyone else's, especially for you moms out there. I'm a parent. I'm not a mom. I don't know your I don't I will never know your struggles firsthand, but I am a single dad and I got to take care of my son and get him to school and all these things. But I make sure I get up at 5 a.m. every day no matter what and get my meditation in, get my get my uh, my self-work in, I get my reading in, my coffee, everything before he wakes up. And if I don't do that, my day is fucked. <laughs> so make sure that your morning routine is conducive to creating a positive day, whether that's meditation, affirmation, reading, coffee, just some time with yourself to collect your thoughts. Make sure you do that and make sure your partner supports you doing that. If you have a partner, this is geared towards people who are rebuilding themselves after separation, but um, make sure you're doing something with your morning because that is that's so, so key. Don't look at your phone. As hard as it is, just turn your alarm off, whatever it is, and then 
pour into yourself before you you attend to everyone else's needs. Everyone will still be there. All those emails, all those texts. As a business owner, I can tell you it was hard for me to separate from that, but that is so crucial. Okay. All that stuff will still be there. There's no urgency. You take care of you first. And if you thrive, everyone else can thrive. But nobody thrives if mama doesn't thrive. Okay. State management. I want to hit on meditation real quick. State management is so important. What is managing your state? Managing your state is going from... So my default setting is, is stress. My default setting is to worry, anxiety. And that comes from my childhood. It comes from trauma. It comes from a lot of things, prior relationships, insufficiency of self, all these things. So state management is putting your brain into a different state through mindfulness, meditation, right? So this might be the, one of the most important steps. I shouldn't have glossed over this, actually. Meditation. Meditation is simply, and it's not, you know, people think meditation is different things. People think it's like a monk in an orange jumpsuit, like in in a monastery somewhere. People think that it's, some people think it's bullshit, right? It's not. It's clinically proven to reduce symptoms of anxiety and depression. But when coupled with like deep breathing, deep nasal breathing and stuff, meditation is simply becoming mindful. It's becoming aware. It's being present. The present is a present, ladies. It's a gift that not everyone has. When you have shame and guilt and regret, you're caught up in the past. When you have stress and overwhelm and dread, that's the future. Neither of those things are the present. And how many of you stay caught up in one of those two places, either regret, shame, or guilt for the past or stress, overwhelm, and dread for the future? How many of you stay in those states constantly? You're not alone. Samesies, toad samesies. Listen. You have to change your state. You have to take your mind from that place to a different place. And the only way you can do that is being present because when we're present, we allow our authentic selves to prosper. Who is our authentic self? The part of us that lives in joy, abundance, gratitude, serenity, and peace. Oh, how would that feel to exist in that plane of reality? You can. You can exist in it more often. It will not be overnight. Some great resources for meditation. You've got sync tuition. You've got Headspace. Uh, I like Grace Hypnosis. That's a hypnosis, hypnotherapy app. There's all kinds of different ones. Try them out. See which one works for you. I like the EFT uh, solu- tapping solution. EFT tapping is another thing you can do. These tools are all great. And, and meditation is something that I practice almost every day because state management as a business owner, as a father, as a partner as a co-parent, as someone who is trying to um, continuously improve myself and never go back to old behaviors that were sabotaging my life, state management is important because when I'm not in a state of being my authentic self and I'm in a state of the past or the future and dread, guilt, shame, overwhelm, anxiety, I'm more prone to acting and behaving in ways that I used to, that things that were bringing damage to those in my life and mainly myself. So it's even more prudent for me as someone who's trying to continuously improve and and restore and and be my most beautiful, authentic self, a man that I love so much, who's overcome so much and is here to serve the world. It is so prudent for me to meditate and to put myself in that state where I just exist. The thing about it is, is it's such an effortless existence when you're in that place. It's easy. And you realize that life is way easier and way more simple than we make it. When we live in our head, our head is a wonderful, wonderful servant, but a terrible master. When we live in our head, man, everything gets overcomplicated and we create shit that's not even real. You know what I'd use? You know, my most toxic, one of one of my most toxic behaviors. Now, ladies, you can have toxic behaviors and not be a toxic person. 
And if you're aware of those behaviors and you're trying to improve them, that's all that matters. You can have narcissistic traits and not be a narcissist. I think the word narcissist is thrown around way too much. Um, I think that obviously a narcissist exists. I used to exhibit a lot of narcissistic traits for sure. But sometimes we just have traits. It doesn't make us that label. Okay. So if you have things that you do, it doesn't make you that, right? If you have insecurities, it doesn't make you an insecure person. It's one part of you and that part of you deserves love. All parts of you deserve love. And meditation and becoming mindful and more aware and allowing your true self to to live in the forefront allows you to have more awareness and garner more love for that person. It goes back to our very, what was it? Step two, self-love. This is a great way to cultivate more self-love is becoming aware of those little behaviors that we have that are sabotaging us and that are keeping us in a place of repeating behavior and then loving that person anyway. I think how many of you right now, you hate certain parts of yourself. You're like, oh, I did that again. I hate myself. I binged again. I hate that part of me. Oh, I'm insecure again. Why am I so insecure? Why am I so controlling? Why am I so... Ladies, we're all fucked up. (laughs) We're all fucked up. It's okay. We all have shit that we carry with us. Nobody had a perfect childhood. Everyone's parents make mistakes and fucked us up a little bit. We're going to fuck our kids up a little bit. When you accept that and own it, it makes this life a lot easier, okay? So a big part of self-love is accepting the parts of us that are unhealed, loving them, letting them come into the room, right? Teenage me, teenage maverick, so insufficient, so insecure. I was traumatized so bad in high school. And I did things that to to, to feel good enough, you know? And uh, so welcoming that, that maverick in the room, the shaved head maverick. That, that was so insufficient. So it felt so insufficient, so bullied, so insecure. Hey, man, I love you. Kind of like a big brother, but like it's like older, wiser me, you know, more tattoos. Jesus, if high school me saw me right now and saw all these fucking tattoos, he'd be like, what happened to you? <laughs> like, did you go to prison, dude? <laughs> oh, man. I got Captain America front and center on my forearm, son. Damn. I just got Punisher done on my own. They're all Marvel. I'm a Marvel fanatic, if you, those of you didn't know it. Anyway, meditation is all about cultivating awareness. We can't fix what we don't know. So coupled with a therapist and a professional that can help us become aware, the meditation is huge for just observing our behavior from an impartial stance and saying, hey, this is sabotaging me. I want to stop doing it. I'm not going to hate myself for doing it. I'm not going to criticize myself for doing it. I do want to correct it and make it more manageable. So now I'm aware of it. And now you're giving yourself choice in your behavior. You know, I hope this was helpful, y'all. I could go on for days. I hope you liked it. I appreciate you all for listening so much. And I hope you all have just an amazing day. Know that life is beautiful when we let it be. Life is beautiful. If you're going through some heavy shit, there is another side of it. You will get to the other side of it. But practicing all the things that I just laid out for you, will help you create more hills in your life and less valleys. It will help you operate on a more even kill. So you're not going such highs and lows. You know, The highs will be longer, the lows will be less, and you won't have this plummet as often. Um, I was living my life that way. It was a roller coaster. It was extreme highs, extreme lows. It was chaos because I was at war with self. You know, I'm not saying that's you, but these things that I've practiced for behavior modification, again, if it could help someone as far gone and, and as stuck in behavior as I was, it can absolutely help you with things that you want to improve in your life and realities you want to cultivate. And this is super, he- this, again, this is really helpful if you have a partner right now 
if you're in a healthy relationship, God bless you. If you have a supportive partner and, and your partner is, is like an integrated man who believes in therapy and, and is all about self-improvement, wants to support you and, and cultivate a, a healthy relationship, that's beautiful. Give him a fucking fist bump for me. Good job, dude. If he's not, this can help him. We're not going to condemn him and, and criticize him. We're going to say, hey, I'm, I'm invested in my, in my growth. I'm invested in my prosperity. And I want to I wanna give you some tools that might help you do the same. You with me? You know, come from a place. Whenever you want your... This is the last thing I'll say, I promise. Then I'll shut up. Whenever, whenever you want your partner to... I don't want to say change, but whenever you want to uh, cultivate some kind of result in your relationship, whether it's through you know something that you're not okay with that your partner's doing or something that you, a behavior that you'd like for them to do more, extend it as an invitation with you. Like, hey, I'm inviting you to come on this journey with me. Not do this or I'm gone. Not do this because you're insufficient. Not do this because it's pissing me off, even though that may be true, right? Especially with men. Something like the toilet seat or the dishwasher, right? We always fuck that up. Extend an invitation. Like, hey, this is what I'm doing for myself. I really want to get better. I really want to be happier. I really want to have more fulfillment in my life. Would you want to, would you want to join me? Would you want to join me on this journey? You know, extend it that way. An invitation to grow together, right? Beautiful. Love you all. Thanks for listening. Have an awesome day. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.